Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Izan. Izan is doing Colossians. Louis and I changed places. I was supposed to be on the announcements and I said, uh-uh, Owens. Can't just be me. Uh, Devilt was on drums, so it had to be Louis. Thank you, Louis. Thank you. Nice to see you on a different, for a different reason. Um, Henny and Rochelle are in Franschhoek. Louis mentioned it, I think. They are ministering at the church there. Their uh, first pastorate uh, was Franschhoek, so they're back. It's pretty cool for them, I think to see how the church has grown and what's happened there. And, and it's been quite a lot that's happened in that area, which is really, really special to see just, oh, hi, Miranda, to see the fruit of their prayers and their labor there. Um, so they are there this morning, and then they'll be moving on to Pastor Summit. All the pastors of the Shofar churches come together annually. Uh, this year it's in Hermanus. I don't know how they're going to get there, but apparently the roads are opening. So, uh, yeah, but the pastors are going to be there. So we have a lean staff this week. Please pray for our pastors as they spend time together and just asking the Lord what, what he's saying to us as Shofar, as the, the bigger scheme, uh, all the churches together. That's where they are. Um, we're really privileged to have Henny lead us. Can I just say that um, out loud? Uh, it's important for us to remember uh, that it's, he's a good leader to us. Um, he rightly divides the word and we are very blessed um, to be sitting under his leadership. Um, so yes, he, he says hi, <laughs> love to everyone. Okay, um, we've been in Colossians for a while. M- my name's Izan Skisi. <laughs> I think you sort of know who I am. I hang out at the church office and I do the announcements and today I'm sharing the word. Um, we've been spending time in Colossians. It's been a long time that we've been hanging out in Colossians. Who of you are tired of Colossians? Whoever you are, like, let's, you know, stuff on. <laughs> Other things. I want to convict you because I also thought that. I know you're thinking it. <laughs> I know you are. I also did. And then I thought, hmm, Izon, what's your appetite like if you're bored of spending time in Colossians? So I'm just going to throw that out there. Pick it up if it's yours or not. Uh, what's our ability like to meditate on Scripture? Can you recite Colossians 1? Can, can we, as a church? We've been spending a million weeks, I don't know, a lot, on Colossians 1. We are moving on to Colossians 2 today. Thank me. But what's our appetite like in, in spending time in the Word, in the same Scripture, um, and to find and to dig the gold that's there? Because it's there. Um, and the, just for the sake of... Um, Knowing what we're doing, the church in Colossae, a little bit of a background again, Paul never visited that church. Epaphras was, seems to be the leader of that church. He wrote to them because there was some false teaching going on in the church, Jewish mysticism, um, a very law-based Jewish belief, legalism that still stayed in there. Um, a, a, the scariest word I learned in the past two weeks is the word is syncretism. Do you know what that means? It's the dilution of the truth for the sake of unity. Huh? Hectic word. Syncretism. I might say it again today. Um, the watering down of the truth for the sake of unity. That's what was going on in Colossae. Colossae. I don't know how to say that. Anyway. And then they also had a problem with marrying Jesus with their Greek philosophy and you know, that, that kind of thinking that they grew up in. Is Jesus fully God? Is he fully man? Is he just a demigod? Like they knew through their Greek mythology. Those were the issues in the church. And Paul came decisively to correct that in establishing the lordship of Jesus. The absolute lordship and the complete sufficiency of Christ. That's what the whole letter is about. 
So we as a church, we cannot afford, well, as an individual also, we cannot afford to wonder about the deity of Christ or to be unsure about the deity of Christ. That's really Colossians 1. Don't be unsure, don't be swayed or wonder about the complete sufficiency of Christ as the Son of God, as the only mediator between God and man. So we're going to read Colossians 2. I'm going to read um, from verse 1 to verse 9, just because we don't start with therefore. It doesn't make sense to you. Listen, we'll read a portion before. Uh, you can turn in your Bibles, paper ones, happy ones, whatever ones you have. Um, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith. Verse 6, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So, Father, this morning, as we read your word, thank you that it penetrates our hearts. You've prepared good soil this morning through your spirit, God, as we responded to you in worship. And we thank you this morning that our hearts can receive your word, that your word is the one that does the job, God. It's not my words. Your word is alive. Your word is a sharp sword. Your word cuts and changes the way we think. It cuts away old stuff, and it enables new growth. So this morning, God, we, we submit this word to you. I submit whatever is here to you, God, and say thank you that we will walk out of here changed because your word changes us, God. Your word actions. Even while we're sitting there and we're thinking not much, God, your word is alive and it's working through your spirit, and we thank you for that this morning. We thank you that ears are open to receive your word, God. We just you know, take authority over every blockage that wants to keep your word from penetrating this morning, and we declare the truth of Jesus over that. Amen. Good. The word says... Therefore, as you have received Christ. What have you received? Who's that? <laughs> Donkey youth, the school kids, they know. Yes. But write that down in your notes. Who, who have I actually received? That's a very important question as you're reading and continuing in the scripture. Therefore, as you've received Christ, so walk in him. You don't know how to walk if you don't know who you received. So that's important. It's, it, it's, like, it's a silly question, who have you received? But it's also a vital question. You cannot walk with someone you don't know. I cannot be married to my husband if I don't know him. I can't be with him if I don't know him. And that's a small fraction of what it means to receive Christ and to walk in him. I can't pray for salvation, become reborn, and not have my life changed. It's impossible. Then you're not saved. That's the reality of it, because that's the intensity and the truth of who Christ is. If he comes into your life, there must be change. It's not works that you do. It's a change that he brings through his spirit. Something has to change. It's not a one-time thing. There's eternal ramifications and current ones, because there must be some fruit now also, when you receive Christ. There must be a walking in him that takes place. We are part of an eternal family. God made a promise to Abraham. He consummated it at the cross and was given to the church by faith. We're part of a family. We walk in the truth, what Jesus is, which means we walk like he walks. It's not something that we buy and I'm over it and I discard it. I don't get saved. Ugh difficult now. I'm over it. I'll try something new. That's not walking. That's definitely not receiving Christ. Okay, that's the one thing. Always look back. Always look back 
and remember what you've been saved from. Some of us have wild stories. Some of us have less wild stories. It's irrist- I don't care what your story was in that regard. You have been saved from something. You have been made new through the Holy Spirit. Remember what you've been saved from. It helps you to recognize Christ and the power of God in your life all the time. We sang the song of overcoming by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Let me read you the rest of that scripture in Revelation 12. And not loving your lives unto death. Let's not forget that part of the scripture. Revelation 12:11. Not loving our lives unto death. It means I walk with Christ, not with me. And my hopes and dreams and the things that are great. I walk with Christ and his hopes and dreams. Rooted and grounded, rooted and built up. I planted um, Irish moss. It's pretty, it's green, it's a ground cover. It takes long to grow, unfortunately, but it's going to be pretty in my walk, where you walk, anyway, to our front door. I planted Irish moss. It looks very unimpressive. It's just a flat, green, grassy, squishy thing looking like thing. But when I removed it from the pot, it had a hectic root structure, like hectic. Like I thought, I have to make my hole deeper to get all these roots in this little plant that looked like, it must just have little roots that look like this. It was wound up in this hole. I mean, what's it? Bucky. I couldn't believe the root structure of this simple little plant. And it made me think. What does it look like to be rooted? To take root is to be established. It's something that happens once. You take root. You know, when you planted something and it doesn't take root, it flops over. <laughs> when it takes root, it stays there. And then it continues. It continues rooting. and it's a, it's a tough environment to go into, the soil. It's not easy. My soil is definitely not an easy soil to get rooted in. But I water and feed and hope and speak. Blankies, please grow. <laughs> it's a tough terrain. No one sees what goes on there. I don't see if the roots are taking. I see eventually that the roots have taken. Because the plant establishes, it settles in the soil, and then it'll start to grow. Hopefully soon, but at least they told me the Irish moss takes long. So I will be patient. If I only put effort into the outside of my plant, you know, pruning, cutting, enjoying the flowers or the leaves or the greenery that it brings, if I only pay attention to that and not attention to the root system, very soon there won't be anything to enjoy of that plant. Think about our lives. What are we paying attention to? What are we giving the most of our time to? My external life, my outside, that means the life that people see, or my roots, the stuff that's digging in deep. What am I paying attention to most? Christ is the root we're grafted into. You remember if you read Romans 11, uh, it talks about Christ being the root, and we are grafted into the root so that we are fed and nourished by him. It's another thing to remember. We are rooted to bear fruit. We are rooted once, and we are continuously built up. You're rooted once, you're continuously built up. Your roots must continue rooting and growing and becoming more, but you are put into the soil once. And then you are continuously built up. It's a second metaphor. So there's two things happening. I'm in the garden and I'm also building with a hard hat. Built up. That's the act of continuing to be. It's putting the blocks on top of each other. ABCs, putting them together. We are being built to be the Lord's home. As the church, we're building a space for God to dwell through His Spirit. Me, us as a church together, but individually also. How are we built up? We're discipled, we are taught the Word. It says, as you've been taught. How are we being taught? Spending time together on a Sunday or or a Wednesday or a special event, or you. In your room with your Bible, going, Lord, I don't understand this scripture. Please help me understand. Having a discussion with your friend about a portion that you're reading or struggling through. 
That's growing together. It's being discipled. It's growing up in the word. You are being built up. So not coming together on a Sunday morning, you're not being as, as built up. I'm not saying you can't miss Sunday. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we must make an effort to come together. We must make an effort that the word be part of our conversations when we're visiting with our friends around a table. Because my story is part of my overcoming. My testimony is part of someone else's going, that stirs faith in me. Okay, I can hope again. We have to. It's, we build each other up as much as God builds us up. We can't remain the same. We can't afford to remain the same. You can't have your five blocks and think that's it. There's a continuation of being built up. More blocks that must be added to build you um, as a house for the Lord, really. So I've been rooted. I'm continuously being built up. Okay. Now, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Leanne is always good at reminding us about thinking about stuff in the week that we are thankful for. Some of us had, you know, three meters from the hell kind of weeks. It happens to us. We have really rocky weeks. Are you able in the midst of the rocky week to find things to be thankful for? Something changes in us the minute we switch over to thanksgiving. God, I don't see any hope here, but I remember that. And you go back. Lord, you've done this. I've seen your hand in that. Your power has done this. Your presence changed me there. I've seen you. You are real in these areas. We change when we have hearts that are um, directed to continuously be thankful. And we are taught to be thankful also. Nyaman, where's your thanksgiving? Nyaman, don't be so depressed. Uh -uh. God's done great things in your life. Remember who he is. That's why we have each other. Thank you, small group. Thank you, friends. People who look into your lives and go, stop it. Get out of your nonsense. Remember the Lord. Community being built up. But then it says, beware. Beware. See to it that no one takes you captive. Um, my, my New King James says, beware, lest you be. I like my New King James. But what, am I, what, what must I beware of? What does beware mean? It means to watch out, be vigilant, pay attention to. Don't be taken captive. Don't be led away, is what it's saying. Watch out. There are many things that want to lead you away. Look out that you are not led astray. That's what the scripture is saying. Beware, lest you be cheated. That's really what it means. You are led away as a prey. We're no one's prey. Don't be prey. Prey as in P-R-E-Y. Please pray. <laughs> Do that a lot. <laughs> I'm going to get there. But don't be proy. Pray. From what? Don't let's not be taken captive by philosophy and empty deceit. What does that even mean? Philosophy and empty deceit. You know, the Colossians church had a mixed belief, mixed philosophies, thinking, ideologies, opinions that were, in a sense, married together in their church, and it was a mess. And that's why Paul wrote the letter, to correct and realign them to what Scripture is, what, what is truth, what Jesus is teaching them. Um, so when we love wisdom, which is not wrong, we must love wisdom. Philosophy means that. Did you know? It means the love of wisdom. So in, it's not bad. Philosophy in, in its essence is not a bad thing. But it is when it has the stamp of man and not the stamp of God, it is a problem. When I'm taking and diluting, watering down truth so that I'm more acceptable in spaces, that's a problem. If I soften my way and I just go, oh, you know, it's, oh, you know, people. People are people. And we don't go, no, that's not what the word says. We're diluting. We're choosing to marry philosophies and ideologies and world thinking with the word. 
then we have a very real problem. We are being led astray. You've become a prey. Let's not do that. Paul encourages us, which is the wrong word, is a bigger word that I don't have now, to not be led astray by philosophies and empty deceits. You know, I, Jonathan, there's a strange slide with too many words that no one will be able to read. That's not the point. I just wanted to show you something. There are 21 um, rows there. It's the current 21 ideologies that are floating around in the world. Um, beliefs that are followed and create our world as we see it. It's, you know, the typical Marxist stuff, um, different types. I don't even know. There are like four different Marxist ways of thinking. I didn't know that. Um, you can ask me for this later if you want. I found it on the internet. It's, the point is not to list it or that you see it. There are 21 ways of thinking that are being taught in our world that is not the word. That's intermingled into our studies at university, at school, in our workplace ideologies, mingled up, blending, diluting truth all the time. Hectic. I looked at that list. It's, it's cool because it explains, you know, who's the target group and who's all the stuff. It's lacquer. You can ask me for it. Um, but it's, it's too academic for me to spend time with. I just thought, ew, this is the stuff we're growing up in. Our children are growing up with this thinking. We are exposed to different ways of thinking. That is not the truth. And the more we are exposed to this, the bigger that area is becoming in my life because I get, it gets more attention from me. Anyone who understands how your brain develops, what you pay attention to grows up in your brain. The word says the same thing. So if I'm paying attention to a diluted version, I will become like the diluted version and accept things versus going, mm -mm, that's not the truth. I can't do that. I can't afford to do that. What is the truth in this? I don't even know how to distinguish. And then going, Lord, I see myself being led astray. Please help me by your spirit to know what truth is. Um, it talks about traditions of men or human tradition. You know, in those days, uh, in the Colossian church, legalism, Jewish legalism, you still had to be circumcised. You still had to follow their dietary law. You know, there was restriction on their diet, the Jews. There was still those. It was hard for them because it was tradition to follow a certain diet. It was tradition for my son to be circumcised on the eighth day. That's how the entire nation grew up. And now the church is going near... No, the truth is now, the truth through Jesus looks different. Can we accept that? No, my tradition is more important. That's Jewish legalism. I want to marry my tradition, this is how I grew up, with the newness that Christ has brought. That is not the truth. That is a lie. And it dilutes the truth, which implies it will lead me astray. It will. Now, you can think for yourself and maybe even write down, what are traditions that you follow? You know, it can be anything. From my, my child wants a Christmas tree, and I say no. I'm not saying you're not allowed to have a Christmas tree. I'm not even going into that debate, but it's a family debate. Our family. It's got nothing to do with you. Do what you do. Um, but it's a tradition, you know. If my mom lives in America, it's very bright in December. In their neighborhoods, it's a tradition. It's not a bad thing. But is it something I'm willing to go, I see this tradition. Where does it come from? Why does our family do things this way? Why do I do things this way? And question that. And then go, it's fine. You know, it, it's fine. Or I have to revisit this. It's not in line with the word. It is, in fact, two things coming together and changing the picture altogether. It's just thinking about these things. What are the philosophies, the ideologies that I, you know, follow? What are the traditions that I follow? What's the culture that's bigger than the Word and the culture of the Bible? 
and then just looking at that. You know, honestly, looking at it for yourself. How I speak my actions, you know, silly things like this is our culture. We look at the city of Johannesburg and go, oh, the mayor this, the potholes that, you know, we don't have water for how many days? You don't have electricity for how many days? Ugh. And we just speak like everyone else speaks. Because it's just, you know, we're culture. And it's nice to bounce work, gross things off each other, you know? You psych me up, I psych you up, and together we are psyched up, and we've spoken death. But we are psyched, the taxis. That's just culture. Just how we live. But is it right? Is that the way we should be speaking? What we should look like? Just a question. Throwing it there. Do we follow things without understanding why we do what we do? Was it timer? Oh my word. I have lots of time. According to the elemental spirits of the world, not according to Christ. You know, the basic principles of the world. The old belief, you know, in ancient religions was that there are these spirits, dangerous spirits or elements that rule the world. And how I stay um, safe is I either worship these spirits or elements or I worship something that according to my understanding is bigger than the one that's here. So I'll worship a bigger God, element, spirit to the one that's everyone is afraid of. You beat you, so I'll worship you. I'll follow your teaching. I'll follow that way. That was sort of the ancient way of, you know, believing or understanding the world. And I'm protected from these bad spirits or elements, um, these, you know, temperamental spirits. You understand them. I must appease the gods. Uh, you know, that's why they did that hectic type of... Um, um, sacrifices to Molech when they'd sacrifice babies and you know it was crazy crazy things to appease the gods so that I remained safe that was the philosophy the basic way of principles that they lived under but the basic principles are like ABC blocks they, there's a sequence to them they follow on to each other and how am I conditioned to look at the world does the world has a very real agenda that is pushed. Very real. Through different ways, 21 different ways. I think there are probably more. <laughs> but a very real way that I am made to think without me even realizing. Yeah, I'm going to throw it out there, but your predictive text is helping you think in a specific way. It's helping you determine what to write. It's a silly example. Your predictive text is giving you options. But that wasn't even what you were thinking. But, ooh, that's a pretty word. I'll pick that one. <laughs> AI is advancing rapidly. Everybody loves GPT. What? Chat GPT. Excuse me? Loves chat GPT. It's high-level predictive text that's helping me understand things a certain way. Things that we succumb to and we joke about and we're involved in and games that we play, movies that we watch, things that we remember in the big, what I'm paying my attention to, a lot of attention to, there are things that are said in this world and I become like that because I pay attention to that. More so than what I do to the word and the fellowship of the saints. I become what I pay attention to. It's really that simple. We're bombarded with this stuff. We are fatigued. That's not a word. Ma, made tired. We grow tired without us even realizing. You know, everybody's like, oh, I'm so tired. From what? <laughs> From working hard. Sorry. <laughs> I'm also tired. But my mind is more tired than my body even is. Because there's just so much, so many beeps, beep, teet, teet, 
on the phone the whole time, but imagine your mind is doing that the whole time because then this one wants something and then your boss phones and then, you know, there's 50 assignments and there's all these things that call for your attention. There's trouble at home, your tani's ni lakini, your sister has issues all the time. These things happen and, and, and it calls for our attention and they're not bad things always. They're necessary things. But am I able to go stop? Lord, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to hear your voice amongst the noise. Some's legitimate, some not. Am I willing to even go, Lord, what are the things that are creating the noise in my head that's asking so much of my attention that I'm struggling to hear your still, small voice? I'm struggling to hear you directing my steps because I'm going, I'm just going because everything's called drawing my attention, everything. And there are days when Annie comes to the office, she's doch. And then we're all like, Annie, Annie, Annie. Everybody wants to take a turn. We have many things we have to tell you. And he's like, poor man. And then I think, shoot, I'll wait until tomorrow because I see the queue is long. Or I'll prepare him well in advance. Annie, we have to talk about these things. I made a meeting for then. Sarah is on. It calls for our attention. In the process of lots of voices, we become desensitized. We become desensitized to the word. We become desensitized to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And then, because it is just this constant bombardment, inevitably, I am lulled to sleep. Because it's just, it's just too much. I can't care about anything anymore. <laughs> then it becomes difficult for me to serve a church. It becomes difficult to come to church. I'm so tired. On a Sunday morning, I am just so tired. I actually can't. I don't want to. Everything feels like too much. Spending time in the Word, I can't. I can't read today, but thank you for your blessings today. Amen. The enemy loves that. Because when we don't pray, guess what? Opposition has left his camp and he works undisturbed in the lives of the saints. Because we've been lulled to sleep. I had a dream some time ago. Um, I was, it was a farmhouse setting, uh, open field, and um, I was doing something on the stoop. And there were people in the house. Um, and someone says, wow, look at the water, uh, look at the clouds, look at the clouds. And as I looked up far in the distance, big, rumbling kind of clouds. And then someone else says, that's not clouds, that's water. And the next minute, there are these two guys that are walking up the stairs, but they look messy. They're dry, but they look like they've been tumbled in mud and water, and they've dried up, and so it's messy. You know, well, well-dressed, middle-aged men walking up the steps past me into the house. Now, I can hear what they're saying in the house. And they say, um, there's enough time. If you leave now, you'll be safe. There's enough time. But if you're not leaving, will you stay and help clean up? And then the, on the second story of this house... Uh, it's completely different. It's very opulent. It has this corner, you know, those big windows that make a corner. Um, and it's, it's beautifully decorated, you know, lush and plush and matokal. Um, and there's two people that are sitting there. And the one is standing by this corner window just staring at this cloud of water that is approaching, just mesmerized by it. Just, wow, it's amazing. And the other one is like, where's my big watch this? And have you seen the stereo that? And it's all these um, fancy technology things. And he's looking for it. And look, you know, where, you know we have to get into the, this car. And there's all these um, big plushy things, money things that are mentioned. And while this other person is just staring, completely lulled by the, I don't know, beauty, amazing, huge, cloud of water that is fast approaching. And then I woke up. Skis. That's, it's always like that though, isn't it? Then you're like, what happens? 
Um, it made me think of many things, but it, what struck me was how the person upstairs was just mesmerized by the un- oncoming warning, the warning that was sounded downstairs, but just mesmerized, standing quietly, staring at the impending doom that is approaching, unable to move, unable to even register that that's dangerous. Um, and at the same time, someone else was just so busy, 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 finding things and doing things and looking for stuff and no, unaware completely about what was going on. And then the warning downstairs, you can go, you'll be safe. But if you don't, will you help to clean up? Why am I telling you the dream? Well, for those reasons. And then also, it made me think, uh, just for me personally, it made me think about what are the, what's the stuff I'm just mesmerized by the drama and unable to move or act on it. You know, our schools are going through some changes with the new Bella Bill that they're wanting to push through. And I was like, oh, Connie, I can't read all this legal stuff now, but it's going to affect my children at school. Am I going to do something? You know, those um, petitions that come into your Gmail every now and again. Have you ever, you, you get those petitions, you know, sign for this and sign for that and put your name on this. Sometimes I'm like, oh, Connie, I can't. I can't even. It's too much, too much email, too much stuff coming through. Well, what's important? I'm not even asking the Holy Spirit, is this important? Should I be adding my name or should this be something I'm aware of so that I can pray? I'm not even doing that. It's too much. I can't. But I do have time to watch a story tonight at 8 o'clock. I do have time for that. Because the voices on this side is very, very big. Daniel, in Daniel 10, maybe I should read that. Um, you know the portion of scripture where Daniel's praying and then all of a sudden the angel comes and says, I'm, I've, you know, since the minute you started praying, I've been on my way. Oh, I missed it. I'll say. Um, um, I'll read from verse 10. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I've now been sent to you. While he was speaking these words to me, I stood trembling. And then he said, Do not fear. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before the Lord, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of per- you know, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days. That's all three weeks Daniel's been praying. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to me to help me, for I'd been left alone there with the kings of Persia. This messenger angel was dispatched. On day one. Do you know what he was dispatched to come tell Daniel? Things that are to come that you and I are waiting to happen. It was a prophecy of the end of days. As many are in Daniel. That wouldn't be in your Bible today if Daniel did not persist all three weeks. While that angel was fighting the kings of Persia, whoever those principalities are. Fighting in the spirit. If Daniel prayed one day, what would have happened? What would have happened to the message the angel was sent to deliver? We, yeah, I am the worst at this. I'm over praying for the same thing. I get over it. There's no ability to persist in the spirit because I'm tired. It's over everything. Church, I want to say to us, we are going to miss some things that the Lord has if we don't wake up from our lulled sleep. We're going to miss some things, and it's going to be a lot stickier than what it could have been if we were paying attention, if we were persisting all 21 days for the message to come, that breakthrough to come, that sister of yours, that brother, whoever that's involved in bad things, that father who's not saved yet. Oh, God, I've been praying for 20 years. 
do what you must. Not persisting in prayer, earnestly seeking the will of God for people, places, families, these things. We're tired. Little skietgebekies. I don't even know if that has an English translation. Skietgebekies. What is that in English? Quick prayers, like, huh? An SMS prayer. Yeah, that works. Thank you. We send SMS prayers to God and then hope he responds. And then we're angry because he doesn't answer our prayers. And then we get despondent because God can't hear me. You know, God doesn't love me because he's not answering my prayer. Enemy loves when that happens, when we get despondent and we stop praying. We pray as a courtesy to God. Not because it's the lifeline of my very existence to pray and seek the Lord's face. Pray about the stuff that he lays on my heart, not just the stuff I want to pray about, but also making space for him to say, this is what I'm burdening your heart with. Come, come and pray. There's a spiritual battle we are very unaware of that's constantly happening. The prayers of the saints affect the work in the spirit. God moves his hand when the saints pray. When we are not lulled, when we're not drawn away as prey, when we're not so involved and our ears are so open to one side as the world likes us to be, and we become like the world when we're called to be different, when we're called to be a praying church. It's tough stuff, I'm just but it's the truth. If we don't pray, we have nothing. We have nothing to stand on. Pray the word if you don't know what to pray. That's my go-to. <laughs> I don't know what to say. God, I don't know what to say. Pray in the spirit, pray the word, but pray because it moves the hand of God. It's our privilege as sons and daughters to be partners with God in the work on this earth to save people, not to build my kingdom, not even, and I say this with great respect, not to marry, not to get my promotion, not to get a better car, not to finally own a house. I've always wanted to own a house. That's not why I'm here. It's vehicles, perhaps, God gives, and God will bless us. Please hear me. I'm not saying God won't bless you and give you stuff, because he loves you as a father. We sang about it. But that's not the primary reason I'm here. If people around me don't change because of my prayers, there's something that must happen. What am I doing? There is no eternal value whatsoever to my life if I'm not pursuing whatever God is saying. If I'm not making the word the primary place I spend my time in, don't get me wrong, I don't either. I'm most certainly not the one going, I'm so holy in getting this right and telling you how to do it better. On the contrary, I'm so convicted by this, I want to faint. And I don't know exactly how to fix it altogether. But I do know that I want to start. I want to start praying more. Not just in the car when I'm driving to work. Not just he saw Dawson when he aunt, you know, when we're having with the kids and we're praying together. No. I do want to spend time where I am on my knees petitioning the Lord. When I'm crying and begging him. Not begging as a, as a beggar slave, but I'm so, um, yeah, passionate. But everything in me is on fire to see the Lord's purposes in this. I really want to be like that. I really want to grow into that. I really want to stop being deceived and pulled aside. Devil, are you timing me? Donkey. Someone is. (laughs) (laughs) I really want to be who he has called me to be. I'm not a pulpit chaser. It doesn't excite me if I draw the straw to be here at all. But I do know that my obedience to God is far greater than my hope and desire to be hidden in the back. I really desperately want to be obedient to God. And when I'm not, I want to be desperate in my repentance, true in my repentance. 
because I want to follow and I want to please him. If I'm rooted and built up in Christ, um, strengthened in the faith by the teaching of scripture and overflowing in thanksgiving, it's going to be a lot more difficult for me to be deceived and swayed by opinions and by ideologies of the world. So let's look at that. Let's look at how, how is our root system looking? How's it going there? Am I being built up? Am I doing the things or, or in the places where I can be built up? What's my Thanksgiving looking like? Am I, am I able to worship the God in the midst of absolute terror and trial? Can I switch and go, Lord, I'm seeing only death and destruction around me, but now I'm closing my eyes and I'm looking at you. And I'm finding the words in you that your spirit gives because it's not you. Your spirit gives the words in those moments to hold on to and to change the trajectory of where that was going. Because I closed my eyes, I looked up and I saw Jesus, the rider on the white horse fighting on my behalf. And I was able to find peace in that. In the midst of terror, it's possible Father, we ask you, Lord, this morning that you'll show us what our root systems look like. You are the only one who knows, truly. And it's, it's tough to do introspection. It's tough to be face-to-face with what's not right just yet. We do want to celebrate always the things that you have done. We want to remember and remind ourselves of the memorial stones that were placed, the work you've done in our lives. But it's good to take stock and to see where are we at. What are the things that need some trimming? Where do we need water? Where do we need to to be fed? Where's our systems just dull, dead? And we need nourishment from you. It's important for us to look at how we're being built up, God. Where are we that you can build blocks You can build us together to become a place where you can reside. Show us the areas that need growth, that need a standstill. God, we don't want to be deceived. We don't want to be swayed by the wicked one. We don't want to be, um, we don't want to have those waves that toss us to and fro, as your word says. God, we want to be strong when we're built on the rock that is Jesus. We also want to recognize where we are now. And we want to take a moment, Father, to repent as we take stock of where we've allowed ourselves to miss it, to be otherwise involved, for where voices are loud and we pay attention to all those voices and we miss your spirit speaking to us because you're not shouting as loud as everyone else. We're sorry, God. We repent of choosing to listen to the world, choosing to engage in the so-called fun fights about our society and about the things that we see that's wrong and missing what your spirit is wanting to say to us in those moments, how our words must change about our city, about our church, about our small group, about the people that we're around about our families. God, we ask today that you will unblock our ears, that you will wake us up from our slumber, that you will again put the fire in our bellies for your kingdom, for your cause, and for the sake of your name that we will again become a church, God, that prays. Even if we can't make Monday night's intercession, God, we take that time wherever we are and we say, God, I want to put my prayers with the saints that are together at Oak House tonight and pray for our church and pray for our city. We will be serious with you, God, as we take stock and allow you to gently and lovingly show us where we're at and to show us that next step because that's how you lead us, God. You're a lamp to our feet.
You don't shine the spotlight because that means we can stand quite far from you and walk. You're a lamp so that we stay close and in step with you. Help us to be okay with that, to see just the step ahead. As we grow and as you grow us up to become strong trees, God, strong trees that are shade for others, that bear fruit for the world, God a hungry and desperate world with many hurt people. Help us, God. Heal us up. Bind our broken parts, God. Fix our bent duckies that we can stand and we can be the church of Jesus Christ. The one you're coming for, Lord. Pure and spotless, without blame. Please strengthen your church, God. Please enable us with unblocked ears to hear your words speak over us, your encouragement, your love, your fathering towards us. May we will hear you, Father. God, we've romanticized the love that we must get from you because we look at Hollywood and see how it's done. And we expect goosebumps every time we're in your presence. God, it's not like that. Help us to even correct in those things, God, our experiences with you. Help us be correct in our understanding, in our our appreciation of what your word says, God, and the ability of your word to shape us and to cut away those lies that you're aloof. You know, I don't have goosebumps, so God's not here. Lies, God, that the world wants us to believe. You are here and you are present, God, and you are working in our midst, and we thank you for that because you are so committed to us. And we want to lift up our hands, God, and say, help us to surrender our desires, our wishes, our dreams, our things, um, even our busyness, because it makes us look competent. Help us to surrender that to you this morning. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.